So good morning. It's really a privilege, you know, for me to share the word of the Lord this morning. So I will be sharing from Psalm 90, Psalm 90, and it says, the prayer of Moses, the man of God. So obviously, the author of this psalm was Moses. So what is his prayer? Psalm 90 verse 12, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And as we listen more closely to the prayers of Moses, I'd like you to imagine the setting. So Moses and the people of Israel were out in the wilderness. Remember, God said, Israel would wander for 40 years until that whole generation that refused to enter the promised land had died. In Numbers 20, chapter 20, Moses buried his sister Miriam. Also, in Numbers 20, this is the incident where Moses struck the rock in anger, and God said that he will not enter the promised land. Just a short time after that, he buried his brother Aaron. So he was the only sibling left. So I'm sure Moses attended lots of funerals in those years. And because of this, Moses sees more clearly that life is toil, that life is frailty, brevity, and death. You know, Psalm 90, it's about time. Over and over, it speaks of morning and evening, days and years, and the generations of men passing by. In verse 1, Psalm 90 verse 1, it says, The Lord is the one who is our dwelling place in all generations. The Creator since before the mountains were brought forth, that was verse 2, who has been God from everlasting to everlasting, again verse 2, and for whom a thousand years, like yesterday, or like a watch in the night, verse 4. So we know that a thousand years is one day to the Lord. So to our eternal God, time passes like flash. So that's our God, eternal God. He is from everlasting to everlasting, from beginning to end. But in verses 5 and 6, Moses compares life to sleep. When we awaken in the morning, our dreams disappear, and we do not remember the night anymore. Then Moses also compares the shortness of our life here on earth to grass, which grows and is then quickly cut down. Then in verse 9, it says, We are consumed by your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. That's our years. Okay, so what is your life expectancy? Have you ever known someone who had like a close encounter with death? Let's say someone who, ha who was in the accident and could have been killed and but was not. We normally hear, well, it was not time, my time yet. We normally hear that. Or someone who, has, who is sick and dying but recovered. Again, we will hear, it was not yet my time. So how long do you, you, you think you will live? How long do you think you will live? Well, I can tell you this. 
you won't live forever. We will not live forever. Moses said in King James Version, the days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they are they be four score years. You know, King James Version to me sounds we will live long, four score years and ten. Wow. But it just means 70. And or by the reason of his strength, 80 years old. So what can we do about it? I heard a preacher, he once say, plan for tomorrow as if you are going to live forever. Live today as if were your last. I will repeat that. Plan for tomorrow as if you are going to live forever. Live today as if it were your last. So Moses prayed simply, and this is the heart of Psalm 90. God, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And Psalm 39 verse 4, Psalm 39 verse 4 echoes the thought. Psalm 39 said, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. You know, Moses could, could just have said, well, life is brief, but heaven is eternal. Soon I will die and will go to heaven and everything will be all right. He could have, you know, just have said that, but he didn't, okay? He didn't even say, God, just take me home. God, I want, you know, to be in heaven. He didn't. He said, God, life is short, so Lord, teach us to number our days. So we heard this again and again. What's ultimate important is not how long we live, but how well we live. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, first let me say, what is wisdom? King David, in his instruction to his son, Solomon, in Proverbs 4, verse 7, Proverbs 4, 7, he said, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, for it is the wisest thing we can do to get wisdom. And we know that the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, ask, ask, you know, what I should give you. And we know Solomon asked for wisdom, and his request pleased the Lord. He, he could have asked for, any, for whatever, you know, for, for wealth, for position, and everything, but he asked for wisdom, and his request pleased the Lord. I remember one of uh, the preaching of Brother Bailey. Uh, he defined wisdom as the ability to live life skillfully rooted in the fear of God. So wisdom is the ability to live life skillfully rooted in the fear of God. And we know Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So no matter where we are in geography, Philippines, not Philistine, no matter where we are in geography or in culture or position, we need wisdom. Because wisdom sees issues. Wisdom recognizes temptations. 
wisdom know what is right and what is wrong. So fathers, fathers, mothers, okay, husband, wives, single people, we all need wisdom. Children need to learn it. Preachers need to preach it. Teachers need to illustrate it. Christians need to use it from this time on. Amen? So that's wisdom. So, again, um, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And the Apostle Paul mentioned the same thing in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, and Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17. So I will read Colossians 4, verse 5. Colossians 4, verse 5, it says, Walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. Then Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, NIV version uses the word opportunity instead of time. So NIV said, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. And that's because the Greek language has two basic words for time in the New Testament. The first is chronos, and this refers to clock time in a sense that we talk about hours, we talk about minutes, we talk about seconds. What time is it? It's 11.40. I forgot how to ask you how long will I preach. It's 11.40 now. So that's time. That's chronos. We're, you know, we're living in 10 minutes. That's chronos. So, chronos is the word used for general time or calendar time. And the second Greek word for time is kairos. And the word kairos comes from the Greek word kara, referring to the things coming to a head to take full advantage of. Kairos means a fitting season. Kairos means a suitable time. Kairos means the right moment. Kairos means favorable moment. It means due time. It means a fixed time or an opportune time. So, well, a pregnancy is a great example of these two times. Approximately nine months of chronos, nine months of chronos, but the moment comes when it is time to give birth, that means that moment is kairos, a due time. Okay, a, a fixed time. So redeeming the time, redeeming the time. This is what Apostle Paul said. And the idea is grabbing every opportunity as a wise merchant grabs a bargain. Grabbing every opportunity, you know, to, uh, to, to grab a bargain. Do we, do we love gar bargains? We do. So that's redeeming the time. You know, you grab every opportunity for that bargain. So Paul says there is a particular reason we must redeem the time. Verse 16 again, redeeming the time. Why? 
because the days are evil. That's what Paul says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And the message translation says, message translation, watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. That's message translation. So Paul writes these words while he was chained to the guards in Roman jail under Nero. He was chained on one hand, and, and, and at the end of the you know, chain is a Roman guard, and three times a day, they will change that Roman guard. But Paul was chained 24 hours a day under Nero. And we know later, Nero would order Paul beheaded. So, and, and, and when Paul you know, wrote this, the Ephesians, or the Ephesus, was a city wholly given over hedonism. In Paul's days, it was the most important city in the Roman uh, in a province of Asia. Ephesus served as a center for international commerce back then. It was a prosperous city. It was a booming city. But also, they have a temple of Diana, and the temple of Diana was the glory of ancient Ephesus. And Diana was the goddess of sex. So the central portion in Ephesus contained a statue of a woman with many breasts symbolizing sexual freedom. You know, one ancient writer said of the Ephesians, their morals were lower than animals. Their morals were lower than animals. So more so in Ephesus, they were idolatry. There were, you know, astrology, black magic, sorcery. They are all rampant in the city of Ephesus. And as the gospel is spread, it, of course, encountered opposition. There, there, there's persecution here and there. And as we have said, Paul himself was chained. There was, you know, there's a lot of heresy that threatened to undermine the gospel. And that's what Paul meant when he said, these are desperate times. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, we need to hear what God is saying to us because we are living in the last days. And not just we are living in the last days, we are living in difficult times. We don't have a crystal ball, you know, to predict what will happen in seven weeks. We don't have a crystal ball to predict what will happen in eight months or even five years from now. We know that the secret things belongs to the Lord our God. We can predict what will happen tomorrow in the, in, uh, you know, regarding our stock market. But we, 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 we do not know when and you know, where the next war will break out. Right now we have Russia and Ukraine, and there's even a threat of nuclear war. We still have COVID. I, I, I told you, we, in the Philippines, we still wear face masks, okay? So these are desperate times. And, you know, and things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. There are dangerous days ahead. But, and also, evil days tempt, to, tempt us to despair. Evil days, you know, will encourage us to give up. Evil days will say, you know, will 
will encourage us, you know, to be disheartened and just say, what can we do? We cannot do anything about that. The day is dark. The hearts of men were grown cold. There's nothing to be done. And sometimes we give up too soon. Kairos. Okay. Kairos means opportune time. And this was like in the case of uh, Esther, in the book of Esther, for such a time as this. And we all know the story of Esther, okay? Haman, the bad guy. So we know letters were sent into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, to annihilate, and cause, you know, to perish all the Jews, both young and old, little children, women in one day. And we know from the story, there was a great mourning among the Jews, fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And in Esther chapter 4, the news was relayed to Queen Esther. Chapter 4, verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. Then Mordecai told Esther, Think not with yourself that you shall escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Then verse 14, a very familiar verse. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? So the situation in Esther's, you know, and Mordecai's life is, is serious. It's dreadful. Life-threatening. They will all be annihilated. It's horrible. It's depressing. But if you can see through the eyes of the Spirit of God, you will be able to see Kairos. Kairos, the proper time, the due time, the opportune time for Esther and Mordecai to be used by God and bring deliverance. Amen? And I believe we're in Kairos moment in the body of Christ. For everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. We must work the works of the one who sent us. Why? Because night is coming when no one can work. And we always hear about revival, right? We, all, we are praying for revival. But let us also acknowledge that the road to revival is often a difficult road. Those who had come under a burden of revival had experienced extraordinary levels of pain and difficulty. But nevertheless, nevertheless, every Christian, each one of us, every one of us should be under the weight of the need of revival. Amen? It should press more heavily upon us because revival is God in the midst of his people. Amen? Nothing is more urgent. Nothing is more wonderful that God, God, let's pray that God will draw us near. No, not for a matter of just moments or even days that we might know the season of his power that stretches not just months, but year after year until the whole world is greatly changed. Amen? You know, 
these are these are great days to be alive. These are great days to be alive. These are exciting days. These are amazing days. But also, these are uncertain days. These are also frightening days. But all these things are true at the same time. Great days, frightening days. Exciting days, uncertain days. Well, Isaiah said that darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Intense darkness will envelop the world. It signifies lawlessness. Darkness shall cover the earth. Corruption, violence, wars, rumors of wars, famine, and pestilence everywhere. And then it says, gross darkness the people would indicate great spiritual blindness and moral decay. And obviously, the events referred here will take place in the last days. And as we, I have said, we are living in the last days. Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But Isaiah did not stop there. Period. It's not a period. Isaiah said, great darkness will be upon the world, but great light and glory will be upon the church. Amen? So the glory of God will be seen upon his people in these last days. So we face a strange situation in the world today, a seemingly contradiction, because there will be darkness, but there will be glory of God. There will be revival and then judgment. Again, exciting days to, be, to, to live and yet frightening days. Seemingly contradiction. But in all of this, these are great opportunities for us, for all of us, the children of God. Because days of moral compromise opportunities for the gospel. We can share the gospel. When the world around us seems to be going out of control, then we have an opportunity to display the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in our lives. The darker the night, as we said, the brighter the light shines. The darker the night, the brighter the light shines. You know, in the in the in Bible school in Philippines, where I you know work, we play volleyball there, and I'm the weakest link. <laughs> I really do not know how to play volleyball, but I I, I love to join the students. So we we play Monday and Tuesday. So one Monday afternoon, while playing, I saw the ball. It's coming right, you know, where I am standing. And I am ready, super ready to hit that ball. I said with all my heart and strength, I will hit that ball. So I position myself so that I can hit that ball. But one of the students ran and he smashed the ball before me. And then, so, and then, the, our, our team got the score, but I, you know, I was standing there, 
And I told this student, you stole my moment to shine. You stole my moment to shine. Don't let that happen to you. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, the things that make it difficult, difficult, difficult for us to live as Christians are the very things that make us shine. Amen? So hard times are actually blessings in disguise. However, okay, in Luke chapter 19, verse 44, Luke 19, verse 44, it says, you did not know the time of your visitation. So Jesus was sweeping over the city because they did not know the time of their visitation. And the word visitation actually is an interesting word because it literally means to relieve, okay, or to, uh, to be delivered. So Jesus used this word to indicate how God the Father sent him to bring relief and deliverance to dark nation at a time they needed it most. But it says, you did not know the time of your visitation. And again, that word time is kairos. You did not know the kairos time of your visitation, the opportune time. And when Jesus initially came to the temple, we know that only Simeon and Anna recognized that it was the time of the you know, visitation from God. Others, they do not have any idea. So Kairos time does not tell us what time is it. Oh, it's 5 to, the, you know, to 12. That's, that's not Kairos. Kairos does not tell us what time it is, but what time is for. What time is for? The nation of Israel missed the Kairos moment where God can act on their behalf, where God can relieve them, where God can deliver them in their time of great, their greatest hour. And sadly, we can make the same mistake today. Christians can make the same mistake today. Not you, not this church, okay? But you know, God comes to, you know, to us to bring wisdom. And it is a sad thing that many believers are not in the spirit. They live their lives purely on a natural level. And, but we have to be in the spirit of God to recognize the timing and the season of the Lord. We need to see, as Jesus did, what the Father is doing now. And Jesus always walked in the Kairos time of God. So by the grace of God, we too can walk in the opportune time, you know, of God. So we need to be like the sons of Issachar, having understanding of the times. We should rightly discern the signs of the times. We're living perhaps in the most critical point in human history. Why? Because Christ is coming soon. Christ is coming soon. So we need to embrace this Kairos moment and believe that God has called us for such a time as this. Young people and those who are not very young, we are called, you know, by God, 
to do something that He's uniquely created us to do in these last days, in these difficult days. It's an appointed time for the body of Christ, for the church to wake up, for our salvation is nearer than we think. Time is short. Time is short. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.1, 2 Timothy 3.1, Timothy, you should, you should know this. This is Paul. You should know this, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. In the last days, there will be very difficult time. So there is going to be a great shaking everywhere. There is going to be a great shaking among the nations. And we're beginning to see it now. You watch television and you see, wow, what's happening around the world. There's going to be a falling away, as the Apostle Paul says in Thessalonians, that which of man shall fail, only that which of God shall remain. That's why there's a lot of shaking. So let us be ready by the grace of God. Let us respond. Let us be ready to engage with what God is doing to do what the Spirit is doing, to hear what the Spirit is saying, to, so that we can further enhance the kingdom of God, so that we can be with, with God, with God's purposes here on earth. Uh, and I have already said revival, and revival is coming. And the Lord is preparing a mighty and great harvest of, you know, such our eyes have not seen it yet, or our ears have not heard it yet. So we need to use our time wisely because our time will never be repeated. Use it wisely. Let us prepare ourselves in the day of harvest, in the day where the floodgates of heaven will be open, in the day where there will be multitudes you know, will be coming in the kingdom, will be coming in this church. Let us prepare ourselves so that the Lord can use us in the highest level of his calling. Let us prepare ourselves so that the Lord can use us, you know, to the greatest degree possible in the last days. So this is not a time to take a rest, okay? It's not time but it is time to say, God, 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 I desire more of you. So this is, these are times where we said, God, I desire your anointing. God, I will not rest. I will not fall back. God, I will not stop the Spirit of God moving in my life. Lord, I will take my sword. Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do in these last days. Lord, I will walk according, you know, to your spirit. Lord, I will be prepared. Lord, I will be anointed. Lord, I will be full of God and full of your fire. Amen? So this is not a time to rest. We need to take everything, you know, that we, we, we can have to be prepared for last days, in, in, in for difficult hours ahead. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a great door, as of 
uh, Apostle Paul said, a great door is open unto me and there are many adversaries. But there are many adversaries, but there's a great door. But in Matthew 25, verse 10, Matthew 25, 10, it was said to the foolish virgins, the five foolish virgins, that the door was shut. So there will come a day in life when the door will be shut on every available opportunity. So these, uh, these are our time, our opportunity, because the door is still open. But there will come a time that night is coming and we cannot work. So this hour, hour is our opportune time to serve the Lord fully for his kingdom, for his glory. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. The last days will be a time of revival, but also great judgment. But the church will have, you know, will see the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth. There will be a worldwide manifestation of the glory of God in these last days. Numbers 14.21, Numbers 14.21, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. And that's what we are, you know, waiting for. Revival, the glory of God, God in the midst of us. But we have to prepare. We have to, you know, to take every opportunity to serve God and his kingdom. So when we see evil advancing, let's keep in mind what Jesus said, let not our hearts be troubled. Redeem the time because the days are evil, but let not our hearts be troubled. Things are getting worse. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> Things are getting worse, okay? But these are great opportunity for each one of us to fulfill the, you know, the calling of God in our lives. Again, the darker the night, the lighter the, you know, the brighter the, the, our light will be. Things will get worse, but things will end much better. Things will end much better. And someone says, even in the worst day, even in the worst day, still we have the greatest God. Still we have the greatest God. And no matter what happens today, the promises of God is still true tomorrow. So we do not need to be afraid. Things will get worse, yes. But again, it's Kairos moment for the children of God. And since I think I still have time, you know, I would want to, to read some of the scriptures, you know. Uh, it says in Exodus 15 to Exodus 15 to the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Deuteronomy 31.6. Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. These are the promises of God in these last days. 
Then 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is no rock like our God. There is no rock like our God. 2 Kings 6, 16, 2 Kings 6, 16, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Psalm 46, verse 1, Psalm 46, 1, God is a refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Romans 8.31, Romans 8.31, If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Hebrews 13.5, Hebrews 13.5, Never will I leave you, never, never will I forsake you. 1 John 4.4, 4. 1 John 4.4, 4. Greater is he, that is in you than he that is in the world. Then Revelation 22, 20. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. This is God. Yes, I am coming soon. And we all say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. So our life is short. Oh. Four score years, okay. I can't even pronounce. Our life is short, but the Lord is eternal. So let the prayer of Moses be our prayer also. God, teach us to number our days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. God, let us all arise, O oh Lord God, as a church, as the body of Christ, in that opportune time that God is giving each one of us and the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, and God bless you all.